Father and Mother of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace and opened the gate of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the Spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you have set before us, so we and all your children shall be free, and the whole earth live to praise your name through Christ our Lord. Amen. When I was a child, I ran away from home. I don't remember why, what sadness or anger or need for freedom it was that prompted my flight from Egypt. Yet flee I did. I do recall that it had something to do with my mother. And I also remember that I had clear intentions to make it to the other side wherever that was. I carefully packed my things into the trunk of my vehicle, food and my most treasured belongings, and sped out into the dark of night. Now, at four years of age, speed is a relative thing. And given that this was my first ever, and to date only ever, grand escape, my belongings, stuffed as they were, into the tiny container at the rear of my beloved blue tricycle would not have sustained me long. Big Ted, my number one teddy bear, and an apple. Yet I pedaled away out of sight of anyone old enough to stop me or to ask where I was going at such an hour. We lived at the end of a street called Dark Lane. (laughs) A street name that only the English would choose. And it certainly lived up to its billing. There weren't any streetlights. On one side, there was a farm. On the other, the dim illumination from porch lights set back a good distance from the winding road, which itself was lined on either side by giant hedgerows. The four-year-old version of me knew that I was peddling into oblivion and to the world that lay beyond the darkness. As I made the turn, leaving my captors behind me, And saw the light that lay ahead, I reached what every escapee from life discovers at some point or other on their way out of Egypt, reality. My reality came in the form of the road that Dark Lane emptied out onto. My mother had drilled it into me never to go near, let alone cross it by myself. Cars flashed by. The light, it turned out, was not welcome at all but shocking. I had not reached the promised land, but what felt like certain death. And in that moment, my bravado left me, and I knew that I had taken myself to a place I truly never wished to have found, and so I turned back. It is only now, as a parent myself, that I can begin to imagine what it must have felt like to have been my mother that night discovering that her youngest child and his tricycle were nowhere to be seen. 
fact is perhaps the greatest fear we can have, to lose what we love most. I don't recall when we met one another on the road whether my mother laughed or cried, but I do recall something of the profundity of homecoming I felt when on my way back I was found. And it may be so that my mother and I have never been more truly in communion with one another than in that moment of reunion. There are mothers and fathers in Santa Fe, Texas today, mothers and fathers in Gaza, mothers and fathers across the world who will have rushed out of their homes in desperate hope this week that their child was among those who on their way back would be found. There are brothers and sisters longing to be in communion once more with their siblings, friends and teachers, grandparents and spouses who headed out on another dark road to oblivion, but who did not come home rejoicing, instead in despair. What does it mean to be a people of the Spirit in an age of cavalier violence? And how are we to believe in the way of the Prince of Peace in a world where some mothers, sons, and daughters come home again and some do not because of the acts of others? It won't help to watch the news, as I'm sure many of you have discovered repeatedly through the years. For the debates that will be had about guns, about rights, about who is right and who is not, won't truly get to the heart of things. Neither will it serve us to look at scapegoat theories to assuage our grief and outrage, debating the relative merits of screening people with dangerous minds or mental illness. It is not that each of those issues doesn't deserve serious and intent debate, because they do. It is that none of it will truly get us any closer to where we need to be, which is asking ourselves why it is we have become so wanton as a society in the taking of life. No doubt, through the course of human history, war has always been celebrated, and displays of overwhelming force are spectacles we have enjoyed for millennia from the gladiators in the Roman arena to football players at the 10-yard line. Yet over the past few decades, we have developed mechanisms and technologies that have allowed us to teach our children to wage war in unprecedented ways. Storylines at the movies, a plethora of explicitly violent video games, Stores selling semi-automatic weapons in strip malls next to stores selling newspapers and kids' toys. We do not merely have an interest in the mechanisms and architecture of violence. We have an addiction. We are enamored with it. And for all of the debates that we hear in the corridors of power following mass school shootings, we never hear one that calls for us to think at depth and remember the sanctity of human life. 
seems to me that we are in need of nothing less than what Dr. King called a revolution of values. And you and I, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, are called not merely to be bystanders to the hope that the long arc of history will bend toward justice, but partakers in that hope. Such a revolutionary change in how we see one another, how we recognize the inherent God-gifted value of each person who walks the earth, may seem like a distant hope. Yet truly for those who dare to follow the way of Jesus, it has always been so. Just think back to the beginning of the church, which we celebrate today in this feast of God's outbreaking of the Spirit at Pentecost. Those followers of Jesus who would found the largest movement in the history of the world began as a motley crew gathered together, dismissed by those who heard them speak with words previously unknown to them as having had too much morning wine. The apostles who had followed a savior who taught them to love their enemies, to pray for those who persecute them, to live as one who serves the needs of others, now moved around in fear, not hope, that the fate that had taken the life of their Lord Jesus might befall them. That kingdom of God that they had dreamed of in its vision of a peaceable and just society for all must have felt like a thousand miles away from the reality they lived in under the seemingly irresistible control of Roman imperium. Yet as any student of the life of the church knows, it has always been this way. Small numbers of people whose apparently meager steps ended up making giant strides in the hope of God's promised future. It has happened this way from that first Pentecost moment of the Spirit to your potential Pentecost moment today. Because you and I and those, our forebears, who have dared to love like Jesus before us, have had fire. The fire of the Holy Spirit, the giver of life, not death. Might we also become fire, my dear saints of God? Might we also discover our Pentecost moment and feel stir up in us the rallying cry for a revolution of the values we hold in common and proclaim in word and action, determined and enlivened by the living Spirit of God, that all God's children are beloved, that all are recipients of His love, that every human being is worthy of dignity. Might we also be bold enough to say that our long fascination with the weaponry and ideology of violence needs to come to its necessary end? Might we be bold enough to challenge our neighbors and our friends to dwell more deeply in conversation with one another, that together we might move past the easy divisions we settle so quickly upon and do the hard work to forge a deeper understanding of who we are. Dear friends, might we have God's fire blazing in our hearts, lighting our way, demanding of us to believe in the light that follows the long shadows of night 
and share the prophet's hope, trusting that our sons and daughters shall prophesy. Our young women and men see visions, our old men and women dream dreams, believing on the hope that one day we shall all be free.